0: It is the day after the kickoff of 2019 NBA free agency, and there is a lot to talk about, not just for the Warriors, but for the league at large. So let's dive into it. We're going to focus, obviously, primarily on the Warriors here, um, but we will fill you in on the rest of the moves that have been going on in case you haven't been able to keep up with the vast amount of movement that has already been taking place just in the first few hours since free agency began on Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So obviously the biggest news for the Warriors was always going to be about Kevin Durant before free agency began. Uh, It was both speculated and then reported that Durant was choosing between the Warriors, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, and the Los Angeles Clippers, all teams that obviously had interest in him and had the cap space to make it work. I think a lot of people were expecting the Durant free agency process to kind of Drag, not drag out per se, but at least go on for for a few days, if not you know a week or longer. As maybe he took meetings and tried to figure out what he wanted to do, and and it kind of seemed like a lot of the moves around the league were going to wait on that first domino to fall uh, because it controlled so much and and impacted so much, and and so thankfully we got a very 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 quick resolution um, a Sunday early afternoon, it was reported that Durant would be announcing his decision later that day on the Instagram account of The Boardroom, which is his sports business network. And then at two o'clock, an hour before free agency officially began, uh, the reports came flying in from Mark Stein and Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharanya, the trustable people that Durant had decided to join the Brooklyn Nets. Durant then confirmed that again on the Instagram account uh, as soon as free agency officially began, as soon as as players are able to actually speak publicly about these things. So that was certainly interesting just in the sense that uh, he made that decision before free agency officially began. So he, he wasn't able to take meetings with the Nets. So unlike in the past, when Durant took long meetings with the Warriors before joining them in 2016 and took long meetings with the Thunder and and the Celtics and the Clippers, uh, there were no meetings. There were no pitches, no recruits. Um, He had made up his mind of where he wanted to go and he's going there. Um, It will be interesting, of course, to see the aftermath of this and if any reports come out regarding why he made this decision, why things happened, or if things happened with the Warriors that maybe soured him there, or if this really was just him ready for the next chapter, him ready for a new experience, which is completely understandable but already just in the in the hours since a few reports have come out um, the first being that Durant was a little bit disappointed in his standing and reception among warriors fans especially on social media and in the media and that he had kind of envisioned, having this perfect relationship with Steph Curry as as the two kind of dream superstars next to each other and that the media and the fans were constantly kind of pitting them together, debating who was actually better, discussing how the team was performing with Durant off the court every time he was injured or missing games. Um, so... Who knows how how valid those concerns were or how much of a role they played, but that was one report that came out, and the other that came out was that um, Durant and Kyrie Irving, who was also signing with the Nets, had decided as early as last offseason that they were going to play together this year. Um, That obviously needs to be taken with... A grain of salt just in the sense that players talk to each other a lot, talk about what they want to do a lot and don't necessarily follow through with it. Uh, Kyrie at the start of the season publicly committed to wanting to stay with the Boston Celtics. So obviously they hadn't already completely decided that they were going to, to jump ship. But um, it certainly would appear that they had discussed that and, and maybe romanticized about it a little bit. Obviously, the, the smoke was coming from the New York Knicks earlier in the year. It seemed like that was the destination where maybe they were likely to end up together. Um, according to the same report, they you know continued their discussions throughout the year and kind of realized that New York was lacking talent, lacking functionality as a franchise, and, and that Brooklyn was simply a better option for the two of them. Um so the so the Nets are going all in with a veteran trio. Uh they not only signed Irving for four years hundred and forty one million, Durant four years hundred and sixty four million, uh but also DeAndre Jordan for four years forty million. Uh Jordan a close friend of both Durant and Kyrie Irving. So it makes sense There to kind of sell those players on on being able to put put the friendship together, the timeline matching up. All three of them are on four-year deals. Um, Jordan, obviously, the the smaller of those three, Kyrie and and KD, are stars. Obviously, Jordan, a little bit past his prime, probably not even the Nets' best option at the center position as they have have young Jarrett Allen there, and, and he has played very well for them. But uh, Brooklyn is setting themselves up to be very interesting. Um, they are going to be, should be better, a lot better relative to the conference next year than they were this year. They Even with Durant being out for the year, they effectively replaced D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving, which is a big talent upgrade regardless of how you feel about Kyrie's leadership style. Uh, and the two teams who finished directly ahead of Brooklyn in the standings this year Indiana and Boston, uh, likely got worse. Uh, We'll cover more on them in a minute. Uh, but So Brooklyn figures to kind of make a jump this year. And then for the start of the 2020-2021 season, they're going to be welcoming Kevin Durant back into the fold. And if Durant is anything close to what we've come to expect of him following rehab from that torn Achilles... Brooklyn's looking at a core of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, Jared Allen, and DeAndre Jordan. And that is a core that you would expect, again, Durant's health and and recovery notwithstanding, you would expect that to be a team that is contending for a title. So that will be a fun one fun one to watch. But that was not where the deal ended. Uh, The Warriors were not content with with letting Durant leave for nothing, and quickly worked out a double sign-in trade of sorts. So they are receiving D'Angelo Russell, uh, who is consequently being signed to a four-year, $117 million contract uh, to kind of make things all work out. The Warriors are also um, receiving Trevion Graham, a young wing, and Shabazz Napier, backup point guard. So a very interesting move from the Warriors. Russell, a lot to like, a lot to dislike. Um, The upside of him is he's just 23 years old, coming off of an all-star appearance, Combo guard who who's pretty, very comfortable with the ball in his hands and very comfortable working off ball as well. Um, talented enough playmaker to do well with the ball in his hands. Uh, skilled enough as a shooter to play off ball. So so that fit with, with Steph Curry is certainly interesting. Uh, he's the number two overall pick a few years ago. The scouting report on him has kind of always been that he was a question mark with an extremely high ceiling and that's kind of been the case with him uh when he's not good he's he's not good he's not a safe player he's not a player with a high floor Uh, but he's a player with an extremely high ceiling he has has that superstar potential Uh, it's kind of a matter of how much trust you have that that can be developed and and fully brought out um the cons of him Not a good defensive player, not an efficient scorer, Um, a volume shooter a year ago, but at kind of below average efficiency in terms of true shooting percentage. Uh, You would think that maybe that could be increased by playing alongside Steph Curry and then eventually perhaps Clay Thompson. Um, Because in Brooklyn, he was certainly the go-to player, the first option offensively. Certainly not a player, in my eyes, that is deserving of nearly $30 million a year, at least now. I don't think his present value is anywhere near that. Uh, I don't think his All-Star selection was warranted. It came in the weaker conference and was an injury replacement after Victor Oladipo was unable to play in the All-Star game, and even as an injury replacement, I don't believe it was warranted. Uh, I felt like recognition for Brooklyn having a A surprisingly good season, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie and and Karis Levert deserved as much credit for that, and Jared Allen. So, kind of depending on how you feel about D'Angelo Russell, that's either an awesome move or a bizarre one, because it came with a cost. The Warriors uh, did not have the space to take back on. Russell, even with the sign and trade, even with losing Durant. And as a result, they had to trade away Andre Iguodala. Um, traded Iguodala to the Memphis Grizzlies, the Warriors, in order to dump that contract, which is you know, obviously very large. It was about $17 million for one year. Uh, they also had to throw in a future first-round draft pick to, to sweeten the deal for Memphis. Uh, so that came with a cost, and it puts the Warriors in a financial corner where they really can't re-sign Quinn Cook, can't re-sign Jordan Bell. Um, they're, it sounds like they're committed to re-signing Kavon Looney, but but we're really going to have to see if that's feasible. But then reports broke on on Monday morning, not incredibly surprisingly, that the Warriors don't really see D'Angelo Russell as being a long-term part of their team. They were mostly signing him back as a trade asset, a trade chip going forward so that they didn't lose Kevin Durant for nothing. The Warriors can't trade Russell until January since he just signed his contract unless uh, they agree to work another team into the fold here prior to July 6th when the trade would actually be official. Um, But even if they worked another trade in between now and July 6th, it would have to be a team that D'Angelo Russell was signing with, um, that he was consenting to that. He would have to be choosing to go to that team rather than to the Warriors. So in all likelihood, D'Angelo Russell will start the year with the team. Um, It puts them in a better financial position for 2020. When Draymond Green will be a free agent and they'll be looking to kind of restart with Clay Thompson coming back uh, from his ACL injury and trying to fill the gaps left behind by Kevin Durant. So a, a bit of a long-term play here for the Warriors and certainly an interesting one with a lot to like and a lot to dislike. In other news for the Warriors, uh, Clay Thompson, as was assumed for so long and reported for so long, signed a maximum contract with Golden State, five years, $190 million. He will be coming back. He will, of course, be missing the bulk of the season as he rehabs that torn ACL. There's a chance that he'll be back for the end of the season and the playoffs. Um, But... Really, it's more about the four years after this coming year, starting in the 2020-2021 season. As for the details of the contract, um, there is no player option in the fifth year. There is no no no-trade clause. So um, exactly like the Steph Curry contract, except a little bit smaller, since it's the maximum rather than the super maximum that the Warriors were able to give Curry. Uh, So this kind of effectively uh, guarantees, barring the Warriors doing something dramatic with a trade, pretty much guarantees that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson will be the Warriors' backcourt through their prime and quite possibly until they retire, which is amazing. Um, we'll have to see how the team can bounce back from from these horrific injuries they've suffered and from losing Kevin Durant. Um, but if nothing else, <laughs> they've won three championships behind one of the most incredible backcourts in league history, and that is going to carry through pretty much for the entirety of the Splash Brothers' careers, and that is that is pretty special. So that's pretty much wraps up the Warriors portion of this. We're going to take a quick break here so you can get in a kind word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with the rest of the free agency news get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So, the other big free agent, well, many big free agents, but obviously Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard were seen as the two biggest free agents this offseason. The Durant domino was quick to fall. The Kawhi Leonard domino has not fallen yet. Leonard is reportedly taking meetings with both the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Clippers, of course, have a lot to offer. Being a playoff team a year ago, despite not having any star talent, a tremendous kind of collaborative team with a very well-respected coach in Doc Rivers, and a, and a chance for that team to kind of move up to the elite ranks of the league, which, which would be a fun task for Superstar. Uh, The Lakers obviously traded for Anthony Davis, so anyone joining there would be playing alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard in that situation, that creates one of the best trios the league has ever seen, just in terms of pure talent. And Leonard is from Southern California, so that also explains the interest in those two teams. He is also meeting with the incumbent team, the Toronto Raptors, who, of course, traded for him before the start of last season and won an NBA title in his first year. So they certainly have a hell of a pitch to give Leonard. But despite Leonard not signing, the rest of the moves have really started to go into action. So let's kind of run through a lot of those. Um, Jimmy Butler, a very interesting situation with him and the Philadelphia 76ers. Butler taking taking meetings with a lot of teams. It, it was reported that the Houston Rockets were going to kind of try and go all out to get him. Uh, but Butler pretty quickly landed on wanting to sign with the Miami Heat. The Heat didn't have the space to take him on, so they have been facilitating a sign and trade. Um, that has hit some bumps in the road as they try to f- unload other contracts, Um probably Goran Dragic's, to try to create that space. Um, but the initial bulk of the signing trade that was agreed to would be Jimmy Butler going to the Heat and Josh Richardson going back to Philadelphia. And if that goes through, that that's a pretty good get for Philly. Obviously, they, they were hoping when they traded Dario Saric and... Robert Covington to Minnesota early on in the season to get Jimmy Butler that he would be a part of their core going forward. Um kind of unclear what happened there. Certainly some reports that they weren't actually willing to offer him the max which would be bizarre after trading away as much as they did. Uh but if they're going to lose him and you get a player like Josh Richardson in return, Richardson certainly not uh of Jimmy Butler's caliber, but a very talented young wing player uh, who is a very strong defender at multiple positions, a quality playmaker, uh, a decent shooter, really a guy who can do a lot of the things that Jimmy Butler did, uh, kind of a Jimmy Butler light. Uh, so that's that's a nice return for Philly. And then on top of that, they agreed to a deal with Al Horford, which is a, a huge get for them there will obviously be some questions about how Horford fits in the in the front court alongside Joel Embiid but that's a lot of talent to be bringing in Uh, Horford signing on on a four-year deal in the 100 million dollar range and they also re-signed Tobias Harris who they of course traded for a year ago a monster deal for Tobias five years 180 million dollars So assuming that this sign-and-trade with Miami is able to get finalized, assuming the Heat can clear the space necessary, Philly is going to run out a starting lineup, potentially, of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Depth is going to be an issue for that team. They don't have much under contract beyond that and don't have the money to secure much more depth. But that starting five is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. So that will be exciting and very exciting for for Philly. If you're going to lose Jimmy Butler, it's about as good of an offseason as you could hope for to then get Al Horford and Josh Richardson while keeping Tobias Harris. Um, Speaking of other teams in the top of the East, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, Certainly made some moves. To no one's surprise, they re-signed Chris Middleton. Big deal for the All-Star. Five years, 178 million. Uh, they also re-signed Brooke Lopez. Lopez getting a very nice deal. Four years, fifty-two million. Um uh, he had a tremendous year, really reinvented himself as a three point shooter. And it's it's kind of crazy. He was a he was a free agent this time last year coming off of a year with the Los Angeles Lakers openly wanted to kind of re-sign with the Lakers. The Lakers didn't offer him anything. The Bucks signed him to virtually a, a minimum veterans minimum contract, I believe. And one year of of playing absolutely tremendous basketball later, tremendous three-point shooter, strong defense, fit the team perfectly. Uh, And now he's cashing in for $52 million. So awesome news for him. And awesome news for him in addition to the money is that Milwaukee decided to shore up their center depth by signing Robin Lopez. Uh, Robin, of course, is Brooks' twin brother, identical twin brother. Um, They played together at Stanford. They have never played together in the NBA, though they did um, hilariously have that moment when they both played in New York. Uh, Brooke for for Brooklyn, Robin for New York. Uh, they are close friends. They decided since they both were living in New York, even though they were playing for different teams, that they would try to, to live together. And then that um, hilariously and famously did not work because to hear them tell it, their cats did not get along. So we'll see no word yet on whether they will room together in Milwaukee. No word yet on whether there has been any resolution to their feline situation. Uh, we'll, we'll have to find out more about that later. But uh, Milwaukee made a few other moves. They did resign George Hill. Uh, so getting some some guard depth there, three years 29 million. There, um, but they did lose Malcolm Brogdon. They were they were going to be kind of short on money. Brogdon was a restricted free agent, but Milwaukee was able to get some value back for him. Brogdon ended up signing with the Indiana Pacers, where he'll pair with Victor Oladipa, Kind of a fun backcourt there. Yeah, it's a four-year, eighty-five million dollar deal, um, and the Bucks worked to turn it into a sign and trade. They're getting a first-round pick from Indy as well as two second round picks. So a nice move by them. It kind of they were always in a hard spot with Brogdon who deserved to get paid uh, but with Chris Middleton needing to get paid, Eric Bledsoe having just gotten paid, and of course Giannis Antetokounmpo there just wasn't enough to go around for them there. So what else do we have here? Utah has had an interesting and and quietly tremendous offseason. Of course, around the draft day, they made a big trade to acquire Mike Conley from the Memphis Grizzlies. Really nice move there. Uh, And then they decided after the failures in in the playoffs that they needed to increase their shooting. Not surprisingly, they were a tremendous defensive team, but that front court of Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, it just didn't really work. So they looked ready to move on. From favors. Um, They were initially lined up to sign Nikola Miritic, I believe, to a three-year, $45 million deal. And then Miritic decided he wanted to go back to Europe. He ended up signing with Barcelona. Um, Can't blame him for that. Uh, But Utah rebounded right away and ended up signing Bojan Bogdanovic to a four-year, $73 million deal. Um, certainly, a lot of money for Bogdanovich, but I really like that move for them. Bogdanovich, a tremendous shooter who who's a pretty versatile player, um, gives gives Utah some some spacing and a new look that they haven't had before, and, and that they they needed if they wanted to kind of break into that upper echelon in the Western Conference. Um, Boston certainly had a an eventful few days here, losing Al Horford and Kyrie Irving, kind of brutal blows there, but but they were able to bounce back and sign Kemba Walker. Um, Walker signed for a four-year $141 million deal. Very odd that he didn't get something near the Supermax from the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you can't blame Charlotte. Walker is 29 and... They missed the playoffs last year, but it, everyone knew this going in. These weren't surprises. They had a chance to trade him at the trade deadline. Um, to not trade him at the trade deadline and get some value and then not even offer him a significant-sized contract in free agency, it, it's inexcusable. Um, very inexcusable. They, they completely messed up that situation. Um, they ended up kind of turning it into a sign-in trade, and in return they're getting Terry Rogier. For three years, fifty-eight million dollars, which is just a hilarious, hilarious overpay. So, what can you say about about Boston? They are, or about Charlotte, excuse me. They are very bizarre. They're going to be extremely bad. I mean, they were they were on the outside looking into the playoffs a year ago, the ninth seed, and now they're trading essentially trading Kemba Walker for Terry Rogier. Signing Rozier to a big enough deal that it's going to keep keep them from having as much financial flexibility as you would want to have, given the complete and utter lack of talent on their roster, Rozier nowhere near worth that deal. So just very bizarre. Um, speaking of bizarre, not surprisingly, the New York Knicks are bizarre. They struck out on their on all three other plans. They hoped to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That didn't happen. They hoped to land the number one overall pick and draft Zion Williamson. That didn't happen. And they hoped to trade for Anthony Davis. That didn't happen. So, left with $70 million in cap space and no good players, they signed Julius Randle to a three-year $63 million deal. Hilariously signed Bobby Portis to a two-year $31 million deal. $31 million over two years for Bobby freaking Portis. And then in slightly better moves that still don't help them very much at all, Wayne Ellington, two years, $16 million, And Reggie Bullock for two years, $21 million. Those two deals, and even potentially the Julius Randle deal, become decent trade chips for the Knicks going forward. Um, but New York is going to be a tremendously bad team. Um, other Other team in the East, Indiana... They might have a rough year. It's kind of news broke that, we're not news broke, but um, has slowly kind of been reported that Victor Oladipo's rehab is maybe not going quite as fast as some people anticipated and that he'll probably miss a good chunk of the upcoming year. Uh, they lost Bogdanovich again to Utah, and they lost Thaddeus Young, um, who was a huge part of their tremendous defense a year ago. He signed with the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Pacers, of course, did get back Malcolm Brogdon, as we discussed earlier, but still, they're they're entering the off with with plenty plenty of question marks. Um, so those are kind of the the big team moves. Um, also, Sacramento is doing some kind of odd things and retooling with role players. Uh, Harrison Barnes re-upped for four years, $85 million. Pretty big deal there, um, but they certainly liked him after trading for him. Um, Sacramento then signed Dwayne Dedman to replace Willie Colley-Stein, three years and $40 million for Dedman. Um, a lot of money, certainly. Um, speaking of a lot of money, Trevor Ariza, two years, $25 million, and Corey Joseph, three years, $37 million. Uh, so Sacramento spending a ton of money on kind of mid-tier players. We'll see how that uh, works out for them. Hopefully those players don't get in the way of their young players like Marvin Bagley III and De'Aaron and Fox and Bogdan Bogdanovich kind of getting to run the ship there. Um, just run through some other notable names here. Uh, Nikola Vucevic returned to the Orlando Magic. Four years, 100 million there. Jonas Valanciunas, after... Somewhat surprisingly, opting out of his final year with the Grizzlies, despite being scheduled to make a good chunk of money. Not surprisingly, he he just kind of refigured that contract, returned to Memphis, three years, $45 million. Uh, Patrick Beverly is returning to the Clippers for three years and $40 million. Uh, JJ Redick is heading to New Orleans to join the Pelicans, a uh, two-year, $26.5 million deal. That's a fun one for New Orleans. They get a veteran. They get some, some spacing, some shooting. And uh, former Warriors assistant coach Alvin Gentry, who, of course, is the head coach down there in New Orleans, has some options in in the backcourt. Uh, obviously, they have all-star Drew Holiday there. Holiday was a point guard most of his career, but uh, kind of shifted to, to the two-guard last year in large part because of Alfred Payton being there and them not having a shooting guard. So they just kind of moved Drew Holiday to shooting guard, even though he still was their primary playmaker a lot of times. Now they have Lonzo Ball, who obviously drafted as a point guard, um, but is also kind of comfortable playing off ball, especially if he can can get his shot going, but primarily a point guard there. And now you have J.J. Redick, who's obviously a shooting guard. So we'll see what option they go with. If they start with Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday and bring Redick off as a bench shooter, or if they move Drew Holiday back to a traditional point guard role, start Redick at shooting guard, and bring Lonzo Ball off the bench. Uh, Ricky Rubio signed with the Phoenix Suns. They finally got the point guard they're looking for. Finally got a defensive player. Uh, First defensive player that phoenix has had in a long time uh three years 51 million for ricky rubio uh rudy gay returned to the san antonio spurs for two years 32 million no surprises here but kristaps uh, porzingis signed the max with the dallas mavericks five years 158 million dollars uh, i think that's about it other than a notification i just got from woge saying that Miami is trading Hassan Whiteside to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, So that is certainly an interesting move, and I would assume that that opens up the requisite space for Miami to complete that sign-and-trade for Jimmy Butler. And also Seth Curry is headed to Dallas. He's signing a four-year, $32 million deal with the Mavericks. And last but not least, we just got to finish this podcast by pointing out that the Houston Rockets have struck out. Uh, they did not get Jimmy Butler. They really have not made any moves other than re-signing Daniel House Jr. Uh, they're running out of available players to make moves. They obviously didn't have the cap space to do anything, but there have been discussions that they were looking to trade Clint Capella or P.J. Tucker or Eric Gordon to clear up some space and and sign someone, hopefully hopefully Jimmy Butler, it didn't happen. Uh, They do have a meeting scheduled or or already met with Kavon Looney. We'll see if they are able to make anything happen there. But it certainly looks like Houston is striking out, and most Warriors fans will enjoy that. So there you go, everyone. This was a, a longer episode of Wake Up With The Warriors, but a lot of free agency news to take in. Um, I'll be back later in the week to kind of wrap up free agency. And then Summer League is off and running. I guess Summer League is technically off and running today. uh, But the Sacramento Summer League doesn't feel quite the same as the Las Vegas Summer League. That begins on Friday. I will be there for the first week or so. Um, Dr. Tom and the Gold-Blooded King will both be there as well. So we will get some podcasts coming to you. From Las Vegas once we're all there together so keep your eyes out and your ears open and we'll be we'll be back later in the week thanks for listening everyone